Hi, my name is Frankie. Thank you for listening to my mom. I never listen. week it gets more and more fun on the valley here we get a chance to speak with mary evans a head coach at valpo university mary so grateful uh for your time thank you so much for being with us <laughs> you're in a car i'm not in the same location that i'm usually in either um what are you doing i'm uh, heading out to recruit uh mlk weekend is a big weekend there's a lot of tournaments around the country um, and we're blessed to be really close to um, Ohio, and they have one of the best with the Classic in the country and the Classic in the city this year. So heading out to see some uh, young players play basketball and looking forward to it. One of the things that MLK taught us, and he's just would have been, he would have been 93 years old if, if he was still alive, was how to be a really good servant leader. How does that manifest itself in how you're, you lead your team and, and what you do with your players? You know, I, I hope that we are teaching them a lot more than just the game of basketball. I hope that they're learning how to be good people. I hope they're learning how to live a life of uh, that, a life of being grateful for the opportunities that they have presented to them. Um, and we try to, I try to model for them that no, no job is too small for anyone to do. And, and that, you know, we're all out here just trying to achieve the same goal. And we're, we're vessels for them, our coaching staff, to help them become better. But you know, it's always about them and it's always about trying to help them become the most successful players and people and um, just become better humans, I hope, after 40 years and, and have a better outlook on life and, and be thankful and lucky and feel lucky that they get to live the life that they get to live because there are a lot of people that would love to be in their shoes um, to be college athletes and to get a free education and, and they need to be very thankful for that. You said a couple of things there that are interesting to me. Free education seems to be lost in the conversation these days about what, what young people get to experience on a college campus. And then the, the pure essence of teaching and what that responsibility is. And I know you take that very seriously. Either one of those you can address. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I can't believe that I'm saying that I feel like I'm in a different generation than some of the players that I coach, but you know, I, I, fortunate to have met a wonderful man who was a division three athlete so I understand the value of a free education because he was a division three baseball player um, and it, that came with a lot of student loans and so I get and understand um, how lucky and fortunate I was to be able to start my life off without having kind of that some people call it change wrapped around your ankles like pulling you down when you have to make that payment every month out of your paycheck um, and so I get that you know they put in a lot of time and energy and it's a lot of work to be a college athlete but you, if you handle it correctly, you get to start off your life in a much better position than the majority of your peers. And I think that that does get lost a lot. And I think it is something that is extremely valuable um, for them to start being able to build wealth and, and to build savings and, and not just spend the first 10, 15, 20 years of their um, adult life paying off uh, an education. You and I have that in common. My husband played baseball at Columbia University, and that was an Ivy League school with no athletic scholarship. So I inherited 17 years of his debt while I had a free education. So I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Uh, and I understand that when it when it comes to trying to uh, put together your team, what are the things that you draw from on your experience or your husband's or even from your children and trying to put some tough love and some discipline and some execution and all the other things that you sprinkle in to try to make your team better? I think I try to, I talk a lot in the recruiting process about trying to treat our players much like I would want my, my, my children being coached. And I think, you know, as a parent, I think it's made me a much better coach, but I think you learn um, that you're not always loved or liked even by your kids. Like you have to say no sometimes and that's hard for them to hear. And, and they often get frustrated and angry with you, but it's coming from a place of loving them and wanting to help and teach them um, your values. And so I think it it's co coincides as, as you're building your team and you're trying to build your core values. Um, sometimes you have to have those hard, difficult conversations and sometimes people have to be unhappy with you, but you're trying to help them learn what the values of your program is and what the values of, of our university and our athletic department is. And, um, I think it's really important, and I think I try to draw from that a lot. Um, and I and I understand kids make mistakes; everyone makes mistakes. Um, but you have to be able to own up to things, and, and you have to grow and learn. And that is life, and you should never stop growing or learning. And you're never going to stop making mistakes. And um, being able to self-reflect and be able to have some of those difficult conversations with yourself internally and with your team um, on things that we need to be better at or do better at are. are I think really good life lessons as you grow up um, and you get married and you start your own little new team um, and you work with people in a setting um, in your career and you've got to figure out how to work and learn and grow with those people as well. So I think it's a really neat thing for the players. And I sometimes think when you're in it, you don't understand how much you're learning until you're out of it. Um, and then you're like, wow, I learned a lot in those four years about how to be a good teammate on as an employee, you know, with my employment and also when you get married and have kids, how to be a good teammate in that part of your life as well, because um, you're forever part of a team. Amen. I believe that a hundred percent. Team Antonelli is rolling and rocking and rolling every day. So I know exactly what you mean. Uh, give us kind of a lay of the land. Like, where are you in the rebuilding process at Valparaiso with your program? Um, you know, I think we made some great strides. Um, you know, obviously the start of this year was not what we thought it would be. I challenged them. I thought it was a pretty difficult non-conference schedule. Uh, didn't love how we reacted to it, but I think we're seeing uh, some growth from that as the start of the conference has started. So, yeah, I think we're in a good spot right now, and I think we're starting to see some of our younger players, um, some of our, our freshmen from last year and sophomores from last year, um, starting to step up their game. So I think we're we're – I think we're where we need to be and we're moving in the right direction. And um, obviously there's still a lot of games to play this season. And I'm excited about um, some of our young kids that are playing better basketball. I'm excited to get Carrie back off of injury um, and get her inserted, you know, back into, into the rotation. So um, I think we can, we talked a lot about not understanding why we had to kind of go through some of the COVID issues we went through and some of the injuries, but, and even the non-conference, but just trusting that we were going through it and it was going to make us better and it was going to make us stronger. And that's kind of been our mindset over the last couple of weeks. You guys have had uh, an interesting non-conference schedule. Last year you played a really hard one as well. What's your philosophy yeah. on scheduling? Because to me, the Missouri Valley is a, a really hard conference to win inside the league. So you might see progress not measured on the left side of the column versus right. the right side. 
Yeah, you know, I think you can go one of two ways. And I've worked for coaches that like to schedule to make sure that they get those 20 wins every year. I played for a coach at Georgia Southern that very much believed in challenging us. You know, the SoCon when I played was a one-bid league. Obviously, the Valley is not just a one-bid league. I do think we're a team in a situation where it's going to take us winning um, the tournament in order to be able to be that bid. So I think you can challenge your team in that situation. Um to prepare them for the Valley because it's really going to all boil down to how do you, how do you play during the course of the regular season season to get yourself positioned with a good seed to put yourself in a good situation to hopefully play for a championship. And so that's been kind of the thought process um, since the 1920 season where I thought we played a, a, a weaker non-conference schedule. Um, and then I thought that first week or two in the Valley really kind of, we got smacked in the face with the physicality and the strength and the speed. And so we have made an effort the last two years to make sure that we play teams that will know where we're at, will know what we need to work on uh, and get better at prior to that first weekend in, in late December, early January when we, we break into Valley play. So I've always said the Missouri Valley is a great coaches league. You know, you you might not get five star all Americans, but you get players that really love the game, and then it's your responsibility to coach them up and put them in a scheme that you can win in the Valley. And every coach in the league is doing the same thing. How challenging is that on a night to night basis in the league? I mean, it's extremely challenging. I mean, we've got. I think we've got some really good players too. And I obviously our league has taken a couple of hits with some season ending injuries this year with some of our, our top players, which it just breaks my heart thinking of those kids that have had that happen to them. Um, but I think we've got great players in the league. I think we've got fantastic coaching. Um, and I, I've talked to our team a lot about some, especially some of our, our newer players, our transfers is it, the Valley. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you finished last year. Every single game is going to be a battle and it's going to be a grind. Um, and I think the players that do well are the players that can really, um, that really love that. They kind of thrive on that. Like you never know what's going to happen night in, night out. I got to show up and I've got to be ready to play. And, you know, you've got to grind out wins and it's physical. And, uh, you know, I think we've found some players that really like that. And those have been the players that have had a lot of success here. Those are the ones that want to compete. I mean, that's what yeah. you get. Um, I think in the Valley, you got to have that. Um, yeah. And speaking of competing, you know, you and I kind of, we're ACC kids, right? Yeah. I mean, I grew up uh, in North Carolina in the Triangle. I went to NC State. I live in South Carolina. I'm, I'm in the ACC footprint. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the history of the league. There's been a lot of influences in the way I see the game and the way I learned the game from coaches across the ACC over the history of men and women's basketball in the league. What's your um, what's your take on the ACC, like the influences that you had when you were a young girl? I mean, you couldn't grow up in North Carolina and not love basketball. Like, I mean, it, you didn't have football. It wasn't on the TV. Like, you didn't watch football as much, at least where I grew up in eastern North Carolina. About the only football game you would get on a fall weekend um, was the J.P. Morgan game of the week, which was usually ACC. And on NBC, you could catch, out, catch Notre Dame. So I kind of grew up watching. Notre Dame a little bit and then whatever ACC games were on but I mean basketball there was always games on it I mean every single night of the week there was a, a game on I can remember driving back from Greenville to Little Washington and listening on the radio the four overtime you know four overtime game between Duke and North Carolina and just I mean it was it just it was who you are and in, in, in elementary school during the ACC tournament you didn't go to class like you got to spend right. the afternoons watching the ACC tournament. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just it was it was everything. And I think that's where I really fell in love with basketball was the, those years in North Carolina. 
um, you know, I started my high school career in North Carolina and then moved halfway between my, uh, ha at the Christmas break of my ninth grade year to South Carolina to, to Somerville and, and fortunately got to play for an amazing Hall of Fame coach in Teresa Kendall at Somerville. And, um, you know, I think she also helped really change the direction of where I was going because she, uh, she was demanding a lot, <laughs> but she had a little Sylvia. She really looked up to coach Hatchell and her years at Francis Marion and, uh, she really whipped us into shape, that's for sure. Uh, you know, coaches have, or players, like I, I like to say a post player might have a go-to move, and then they might have a counter, you know, depending on reading the defense. Yeah. Who's sort of your, when you're thinking about how much you fell in love in the game as a little kid, like when you go back to when things are tough or you face some adversity, where do you find that source that makes you remind yourself that you really do love the game, that you're doing exactly what you want to be doing, even though it can be challenging at times. Yeah. Um, you know, I really think it's probably thinking back to my high school coach, because I think, like I said, my parents are probably the biggest influences in my life. I was blessed to have two wonderful people uh, raise me, but probably the third person after that, I would have to say would be my high school coach. Like she pulled things out of me that I never knew I could do. Um, and she drew, you know, she, her ways of motivation were different because it was the nineties, but you know, she really, she got everything out of me and she really made me understand that I could be better than I even realized I could be. And so, um, I think sometimes when things get hard, I think back to some of those practices that I survived. Some of those two a days in our unair conditioned gym on our lower campus, where you went through four t-shirts and thought you were going to die and you could get through it. And so. I think she really, she really instilled that in me that when things get hard, you can quit or you can just suck it up. And uh, I try to choose to suck it up the majority of the time. This is the week of We Back Pat, where women's basketball celebrates the legacy of Pat Summit. And then in another couple of weeks, we're going to have the Play for K games and we're going to be celebrating uh, the memory and the legacy of K Yao. Those two women had an indelible impression on me, and I know they did on most people that grew up in our generation, uh, which do you have a memory or do you have something about Pat and or Kay that stands out to you? Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to Pat's camps. So I was, I had, I was blessed to have a, an aunt and uncle that lived in Knoxville. So I would get to get on the plane in Greenville and fly over and go to her camps. And so um, I can remember her being at those camps and a lot of her players, uh, Jody Adams was there um, when I was a camper. She probably won't like that. I said that, but I was there. Remember. Um, and again, she just, she reminded me a lot of my high school coach. I mean, she was tough. I can remember her running. Like, thank God I was never late, but people that were late at camp would be up at like 5am running. <laughs> like I was like, that's not going to be me. So, you know, she was awesome. And then coach Yao was amazing. I think we, my junior high school team took a trip up and saw um, the game where NC state played Virginia, the two overtime game with Staley. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a big, big historical moment in NC State women's basketball in the ACC, yes. honestly. Yes, and I we were there. We were in the rafter seats, but it was an awesome day of getting on the bus early and going out and seeing that. And, you know, back then you didn't see women's basketball on TV. You the only games you ever saw were maybe an NCAA tournament game. Um, so to be able to finally see those those women competing and, and – uh, that was just, that was really neat. So I think both of them, both of those, 
coaches have impacted me at a very early age. And then obviously, as I got into coaching, I mean, you couldn't help but follow what Pat did and read all of her books and want to be her. Um, and then I soon realized you kind of have to be who you are. You can't just be someone else. And that's exactly what she would tell you if she was here. She'd tell you to do your thing. Um, when you're not coaching, and I know you have a family, but what's something that you do to try to take your mind off it? Um, I run. So I'm a runner. So that's what I do. That's kind of when I, when I take me time and, and that's what I do. Like, so I commit to letting myself go for at least a, a 10 minute run every single day, no matter how busy we are. So, um, if I can get in longer, I will, but sometimes with between work and two kids under seven, sneaking away for 10 yeah. minutes, is all you can get. So I've learned to watch film on the treadmill. That's also helped. I can do some scouting watch some games, <laughs> make some notes on my phone. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the one thing that I really use to decompress and de-stress me as I get out and get a good run in. I'm guessing your kids are in second or third grade, maybe first grade. Yeah, I've got a first grader and a, she, uh, my kindergartner, we kept back this year just with everything COVID. We wanted her to try to see if we could get her to a normal kindergarten year. Do they, do you make their lunch or do they buy lunch? Um, they're the pickiest eaters in the world. So we make them their lunch. My son now buys his lunch on Fridays because it's pizza day. So he will eat the school pizza. <laughs> but he, you, uh, uh, same are you a specialist day. at, uh, anything you specialize in, in the lunchbox? No, I always give them a treat. They get their one more, they call it their one more thing. So, um, he usually, uh, cookies or fruit snacks or some Hershey's Kisses, things like yeah. that. But he's a pretty, uh, boring eater to be quite honest so and I'm sure they go to the games they enjoy going to the games and and have you been able to take them on recruiting trips or on game you know on the road with yeah. you have you been able to do anything like that yeah no they come to all the games um all, all the home games for sure uh, they've gone on some recruiting trips pre-covid they went on almost every trip um since covid's happened we've kind of had to back away from that but my son got his first experience of going with me to a home game and getting to rebound for the girls which he thought was really cool. And I will say, like his mom, he took two charges during that where he got himself run over. So that was kind of cute too. The girls were like, oh my God, I totally ran him over. I'm like, it's okay, he's tough. Don't make him tougher. Got to take yeah, charge. Well, Mary, we, we're so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's great to get a mix of family and basketball and the, to listen about some of your stories and some of the influences that you've had on your career. Appreciate it, thank you. Thanks for hitting us on the road. You're literally on the road. On the road with Mary Evans, Valparaiso.